we do, we want to do it by the word and do it. And how do you how do you and do it by faith? Well, where does faith come from? Praying and begging God for more faith. Promise him you'll, you know, do better next week if if he gives you some. No, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when we hear the word, for example, if you, if you need, uh, healing, it might be good to, to, you know, you don't, you don't even have to put in a CD or, or, um, uh, you know, a digital video or whatever. You can just take the Bible yourself, open it up to the scriptures that apply to your case, and then just read it out loud. Now, you might say, well, why do I need to read it out loud if I can read it? I mean, I can obviously read and retain what I'm reading. It's more than just retaining it like you would read a novel or read a a history book or something. It's getting it down into your spirit. Amen. So you, a lot of people have a lot of head knowledge. They can, you know, quote scripture. I've, I've heard people say, well, that guy right there, Wow, what a preacher. He can quote so, so many yards of scripture, you know, at a time. And, uh, listen, they have, uh, seminary. We have seminary, uh, professors who can quote the Bible in Hebrew and Greek and Swahili and everything else. And, uh, some of them are not even born again. So just because you memorize a scripture, and can find a reference doesn't mean that it's speaking to you at that moment. Amen. So uh, I'm not defending anything. I'm trying to just uh, add to what has been said. You know, if we spent an hour, which we won't, but if we spent an hour, I've been to that meeting across town there. But uh, if you spent an hour and a half uh, on... Uh, uh, that was a gratuitous slap, wasn't it? Uh, if you spend an hour and a half on scripture, uh, for the offering, to receive the offering, it would be okay in the sense of if it's Bible based, um, we're building our faith. Amen. And, uh, boy, it might be good sometime to just have a prosperity seminar. You know, a lot of people are flinchy on that. Because uh, they've got the, a worldly view, a worldly view of what prosperity is and a worldly view of what success is. And so in their minds, they think you're promoting Rolexes and Rolls Royces. But, uh, that has nothing that, that has nothing to do with prosperity. None of that. Prosperity is a spiritual condition. And that's why you can't cure it with money. You can't cure poverty with money. You can only cure poverty with uh, a change of spirit. You have to kill the poverty spirit with a spirit of Bible prosperity. Amen? So if you're flinchy over those things, it's because you're not really seeing it from the word standpoint. You're still applying the world standard on it. Well, the world standard is jacked from the beginning. It's called the Babylonian system. And it's messed up and always has been and always will be. So if you want to talk like the world talks and thinks like the world thinks about it, then you're going to have class warfare going on in your head and you're going to be all flinchy and 
And uh, you're going to sound like Judas if you're not careful. How many remember what Judas said of when the alabaster box was broken? It was Judas, remember. It wasn't anybody else. It was the betrayer who said that should have been sold and the money given to the poor. And in fact, he was stealing from the, the, the bag, from the treasury. He was stealing from it. That's why he said that. It sounds really great from a worldly standpoint. But uh, what did Jesus say about that? Jesus said, not some preacher on TV you don't like. Jesus said, you will always have the poor with you, but you only have me for this limited time. And so Jesus didn't seem to care that the alabaster box was broken. In fact, he commended her for it. So you see, you have to get rid of the worldly view of, of, of things and take the Bible view. Can you say amen? So the world almost has Jesus saying what Judas said. So well, what about Jesus? You know, almost like he was barefoot and he, tiny Tim tiptoeing through the tulips, you know, going peace, man, peace. Jesus was not a pot smoking hippie. Okay. Just so you know. Um, so if that's your image of Christ, you know, the cover of the Beatles, album or whatever, then, you know, you've got the wrong picture of him. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's good preaching, ain't it? But we need to get a Bible view of everything, a Bible view of health and healing, a Bible view of Bible prosperity, a Bible view of of uh, favor and all those good things. If I'm not careful, I'll preach four messages in one. And we'll all be in trouble. Because the Baptist will surely beat us to the cafeteria that way. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let's, uh, let's just lift our hands and worship Him just a minute. I just, Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your guidance, your direction. Praise you, Father. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We magnify you. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for the light. Thank you for the life. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians. There's two books. You know, well, all of Paul's writings really are delightful for me. But uh, two are seem to be really strong. In, in that's Galatians and Ephesians. There's a different attitude on Paul in writing both letters. Galatians, he's mad the whole time. And he's telling, he's just telling us how he really feels. In, in Ephesians, he, I think he's, he's waxed a little more eloquent. And I think Ephesians uses some of the most beautiful language in the New Testament, um, for describing what has happened to us as believers. Isn't this wonderful? We get this gift from God of salvation. And sometimes the way we got it is clumsy, if you think about it. Uh, I, you know, I got saved in an atmosphere where you might have had, uh, 60% gospel and 40% tradition all smashed together. And yet it was just enough gospel to get me saved. Isn't that beautiful? How many can testify something like that? You know, that maybe, 
maybe maybe the way you got saved was a little clumsy in the way that the the information got to you, but it worked anyway. You know, just a piece of the gospel will work to get you saved. And so uh, that's the reason that's, that uh, evangelical ministries at large are so successful in getting, bringing people to Christ. Even if they, even if the, even if part of their doctrine is tongues are of the devil or something like that, they still can get people saved because the gospel is based on the finished work of Christ. It's not based on the day of Pentecost. <laughs> Amen. So, you know, a lot of times, folks, well, I got saved in this church and they seem to be fine people. Well, sure. Amen. Nobody's arguing that, but you know, there are other things that we can add to our experience in Christ. And I believe there's something that could be added to us daily all the way. If we live to be 120, that we can still grow in the Lord. Amen. And then the things of God. So the gospel is so powerful because it's, it's just, like I said, if it's delivered clumsily and it's delivered with a lot of tradition and other stuff smashed on top of it, it still is so stellar and so powerful and so full of God and so full of fire that it will save to the uttermost, even if it's cloaked in some weird thing. Amen. Really, you could get saved by, you could accept Christ by reciting the Apostles' Creed, you know, or the Nicene Creed. I mean, I've stood in services where they quoted both of them, and I thought, that's a pretty good confession, you know. But, uh, you know, a lot of times it's it's just like if it becomes tradition, you don't even pay attention to what you're saying. It's like singing a song you're not paying attention to what he's saying. You know, like people singing, oh, how he loves you and me while they're on their phone texting somebody, you know. Well, it's, it's just the meaning doesn't really come through as if you're singing with all your heart. Amen. It's the same with Scripture. I said all that today that we get saved and we spend the rest of our lives looking at this beautiful gift of salvation. Looking at what God has done for us. Looking at the fullness of his glory upon us. So that every day is a delightful thing. We used to sing the little song, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And it will be if you'll stay in the word. If you're looking for just something to grab out of the air molecules, then you might be in trouble. Especially if somebody with COVID coughs on you or whatever. Apparently, you know. All right. Uh, Ephesians 2.8. I promise I'll get to my message. I'm just sort of all over the place today. Um, look there for by grace. Now, you know, this is, this is like, has become my banner scripture for so much of what I preach and teach. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. You don't save yourself. <laughs> Think about how ridiculous it is to us to try to save ourselves. We're the, we're the problem and we're going to save our, we the problem are going to save ourselves from the problem. But we're the problem. The devil's not even the problem. He's, he's, he's helping the problem stay the problem. But he, you can't blame everything. You can't stand before God and say, I didn't accept Christ and it's the devil's fault. Like, uh, Flip Wilson. 
remember, the devil made me do it. Well, you, you, that, that's not going to be a good defense, is it? We, we sing in that song, Lord, I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. That's the only defense we have. That's the one thing the devil can't naysay. He can naysay our good intentions. He can naysay that our, even if we did something great, that our motive was weird, whatever, but he can't naysay our righteousness because it's sealed in the blood of the Lamb. It's a historical fact that Jesus lived on the earth. It's a historical fact by people outside the Bible that wrote about it. Like the news journalist of the day, Josephus, who wrote about the, the daily comings and goings of Jesus Christ and the early church. And so here you have this beautiful outside story, like a, like a newspaper report. Isn't the Holy Spirit smart? So whether you believe that Jesus is the Messiah or not, or whether you, whatever you believe, I'm telling you, whether you believe it or not, it's a historical fact that it happened. Praise God. He really did do the miracles that he said, that the board says. He really did uh, forgive sins. He really did heal the sick. He really did raise the dead. He really did open the eyes of the blind and heal the leper. He really did cast out devils with his word that others could not. Uh, cure. He really did die on the cross and he really did raise from the dead. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he really did ascend and there were people that reported seeing him go when he went. This is all truth. And so whether you believe it or not, doesn't it's like people that say, I don't believe they landed on the moon. Well, you know, whatever. Maybe you should go to the moon next and check it out. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Alice to the moon. Remember? Jackie Gleason, you know, Alice to the moon. You know why I enjoy pastoring an, a, a, a mature congregation is because we get all the jokes from way back. You say that to a bunch of millennials and they go, who's Alice? For <laughs> we all know who Alice is. Praise God for by grace are you saved. And see, that word grace, now this is great. <laughs> grace means gift. And it's a real gift without expectation in return. It's not an exchange. It's not a gift exchange like we do at Christmas. This is a gift that's an outright gift unsolicited by us. The Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The gift of God. So, and that's so repeated in scripture. These folks that fight against grace, they don't, they're not really fighting against grace. They're fighting against what they think is grace. But what they're fighting against is to fight against grace is the, is to basically, it's almost a spirit of antichrist, to be honest, because the Bible tells us that grace is a gift and it's free. So if it's not free and it's not a gift, it's not grace. If it's grace, but it's not a gift and it's not free, you have to earn it somehow and, and merit it some way, then it's not grace any longer. It's something else. It's merit badge. It's Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or something. You work for that. And so it says here that, that we, by grace are you saved through faith. Faith in what? Faith in grace. Faith in the gift. Faith in the finished work of Jesus. 
faith in the fact that he paid it all. And we sing these beautiful songs, and then we preach something else. We sing, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And then we have asterisk, see footnote below, unless you really mess up bad, you forget to ask forgiveness for it. Then you are screwed. You know, that's the verse that didn't get written. But, uh, uh, or uh, uh, Jesus paid it all, asterisk, see footnote below, except for that one thing, you know, that you take care of properly. Um, no, we sing all that and we sing the beautiful songs about, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's finished. The battle is over. It's finished. You know, it's all over. And then we create a battle in our bad doctrine. <laughs> by grace, by the gift of God. See, and then John 3.16 says the same thing. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave or graced or gifted us. Jesus Christ. Amen. Anyway, by grace are you saved through faith. Faith in what? Faith in grace. Faith in this. Faith in the gospel. Faith in Jesus. Praise God. And look, just in case we think we had something to do with it. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Go to verse 9, please. Not because of works, which... Uh, is not the fulfillment of the law's demands. Lest any man should boast. It is not the result of what anyone can possibly do. Can possibly do. We're thinking of the little saint with her hair in a bun that can't even spell sin, much less commit one. She's so holy. It says, even that person, what they can possibly do for the Lord. So no one, no, how many? No one can pride himself in it or take glory to himself. Probably the, the, you want to know how to kill a church, like kill the spirit in it, is allow three things to, to, to fester. One is uh, uh, legalism, externalism, and judgmentalism. Those three are killers. They work together. They're like a three-pronged pitchfork from hell. And some of us have talked among ourselves. We've grown up and been in, we've been under the thumb of some of that before. And it's awful, isn't it? It's darkness. It's like living in hell. Somebody always accusing somebody else of something wrong. In the, at the Fitzgerald Church of God in uh, Fitzgerald, Georgia, back there in the 1920s and early 30s, they brought my grandmother up on charges for drinking a Coca-Cola at the cotton mill. Her iced tea ran out and it's hot. They didn't put water in vending machines in those days, you know. So she got her a Coca-Cola. She called it a Coca-Cola. And she went and she had to check, make sure none of the church members were watching her, but one old sister was behind the, the fence or somewhere and saw her get a Coca-Cola. Well, they brought her up against for charges, going to turn her out of the church, going to have a trial on Sunday night. 
This is in the Church of God of Cleveland, Tennessee, of which we are a part. Praise the Lord. And uh, I, I know that there is now embarrassment there over uh, the, these behaviors. But I'm telling you, it's where externalism and legalism and judgmentalism goes. And they all go hand in hand. They're like Huey, Dewey, and Louie. If you've seen one, you've seen them all. They're together. The three little ducks reporting to Uncle Donald what's going on. Is this helping anybody? So they're going to bring her up on two charges. The other was that they they were sure that she was guilty of wearing silk stockings. In those days, Pentecostal women had to wear cotton stockings. Now, it's interesting that nobody ever thought that the maybe the men in charge of all this shouldn't be talking about what women were wearing for underwear. Maybe that's a problem. You got, <laughs> you got, <laughs> you got these old billy goats sitting around discussing women's underwear. No wonder they had problems. But uh, suddenly my grandmother's undergarments became the topic of an entire congregation. She's wearing silk stockings. Now the reason those were a sin is because in, in back in back in those days uh they had a seam in the back and that was considered, you know, sensual. I kind of like it myself to be honest. The seam they got rid of the seam and when they brought in nylons, you know. It's funny though that after they got rid of the seam everybody can wear nylons. You know, I mean, we're not the only group that's focused on underwear. I mean, there's other groups that have special underwear and things, you know, and I don't know. We have the underwear committee. I guess that's better than the circumcision committee that they had in the times of the Bible. Imagine being on that committee. We need some people to serve on the circumcision committee because we can't have any uncircumcised Philistines among us. Here's your binoculars, you know. So my grand, my grandmother, because Paul said that Titus and him were spied upon to see if Titus was circumcised or not. Isn't that a beautiful congregation to be a part of? Well, so the story goes, my grand, my grandmother, they, they, they told her, they, they sent her a letter and they said, you know, on the Sunday night coming up, we're going to have a, bring charges against you for drinking Coca-Cola at work and wearing silk stockings to church. She wore them to church. I mean, God bless her for wearing them at all. It's hot as fire and there's no air conditioning. It's, we're talking South Georgia with no breeze. And a lot of gnats and mosquitoes. So, uh, she comes home. She, well, my grandfather gets home from work and she's crying. Now he didn't go to church. He tried twice and they told him he was going to hell for smoking cigarettes. And he had come with the intention of answering the altar call, but then they embarrassed him publicly. 
the same church in Sunday school. He went to Sunday school class and he forgot and left his camels in the pocket, you know. And, uh, and, and, and see, there's a rebellious side of me. It'd make me want to pass out camels to everybody. We have donuts or camels. Take your choice. Be, just, just to, just to defy it. It's so awful. Instead, uh, they said, now, Mr. Norris, we're happy to have you here today, but if you'll, if you'll lay those cigarettes on the altar when the invitation is given, God will save you. And he says, you're not, now he had better doctrine than them. He said, well, you don't get saved by giving up cigarettes. You get saved by accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. And that's what I came here intending to do. Well, he won't save you with those cigarettes in your pocket. Do you see why I'm flinchy on this stuff? I've got a PhD in legalism. I grew up in this stuff. Like I'm fifth generation legalistic brainwashing. The Pentecostal Taliban enforcing things. And the, I think the idea was if we cover the women up enough, there won't be any lust in the church. I've always said, does a blind man lust? Could he lust, you know? And you have to see things to lust. I don't know. Can you imagine things in lust? This is crazy. See, do you see how crazy it is to try to control a spiritual condition with externalism, with dress codes and life codes and all kinds of codes and, you know, who's drinking Coca-Cola and who's not? You think that you think it's died with like the 1940s. You're not, you're not paying attention. I know a church. I won't say which state, um, but I know it because I'd give it away. But I know a church where the pastor decided himself that drinking Coca-Cola for him was a sin. Word of faith, guy. Word, word of This is word of faith. This isn't Pentecostal, so to speak. Word of faith decided that drinking Coca-Colas was a sin for him. It wasn't a healthy choice. Fine. It's a free country. Do your thing. Practice your protocol. Do your diet. Who cares? But he wrote a book on it. Then the next thing he wrote a book on it, of the sin of Coca-Cola. And then started, and then got rid of all the vending machines out of the, the church, you know, um, break room for the employees, the big church. Then on top of that, gave altar calls for all the Coca-Cola drinkers. That's in the word of faith movement. That ain't too far away from 1925, whatever my grandma, is it? You see the spirit of that thing. If you don't understand that, that's up there on the screen. If you don't understand that verse, you'll go, if that thing will come back and rear its head every time. It doesn't matter if it's from Pentecost or what do they call it? Fundamentalist Baptists. They can be just as bad as anybody. Uh, Scarlett said she went to one of those schools where they'd measure the girls' skirts, and if they were too short, they'd put a wrap around around them. And one girl was was a little larger, and the wrap around didn't fit right, so they made her stand behind the desk. 
They said, well, why are you doing that to her? They said, uh, well, to keep the boys from lusting. Again, Taliban. We're back in Afghanistan. What's the difference? It's the same thing. Ridiculous, isn't it? So uh, you want to know what happened to my poor little grandma? So she's home crying. Some of you know the story. She's home crying. And my grandfather, who had come to try to be a part of the church, got ran off twice. And uh, I know, you know, he he should have been bigger than that, and he should have just stood up against them and just gone and gotten saved anyway. But they humiliated him and embarrassed him publicly. Well, that's a that's a warm and fuzzy group you want to join and be a part of, isn't it? He said, I don't need this. Thank God before he went to heaven, he called on the name of the Lord and and uh, received Jesus, and we believe he's in heaven. Amen? Based on scripture, based on his what he did, based on his behavior as far as accepting Christ. Amen? Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well... My grandmother's home crying, you know, just upset because the church means everything to her. And they're going to cast her out. And they're going to excommunicate her, kick her out. Can't come to here. Can't come to any church in our denomination. So my grandfather finds her all upset. He says, what's wrong, Lois? And she says, they're going to kick me out of the church for drinking a Coca-Cola at work and wearing silk stockings. He said, uh, just a minute, I'll fix it. So he walked over, walked. It was because it was about a half a block. He walks over to the parsonage, knocks on the door across the street from the church. And he says, uh, are you the pastor of this church of God here? He, she, The guy said, yes. The pastor said, yes. He says, I understand you're going to bring up my wife charges against her and cast her out of the church Sunday night. He says, yes, because she's committed sins. She's drinking Coca-Cola and wearing silk stockings. He says, well, go ahead and do what you're going to do, but afterwards I'm coming over here and I'm going to whip your, and then he said the name that also goes for a donkey (laughs) in the Bible, Bible name of a donkey. He said, I'm going to whip that all over town. And up and down the parking lots and all over everywhere. And there's no police or there's no attorney or nobody that can save you. Just so you know. So go right ahead and I'll be waiting for you. And funny thing, the whole thing just disappeared. Praise the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful story? And they never turned her out. (laughs) And uh, when she passed away at 92, they had her funeral in that church. Praise God. I think she won the battle. (laughs) Thanks to my grandfather. You know, but that's about, that's about what that kind of behavior deserves, isn't it? I'm not for threatening pastors or anything like that, but I'll tell you what. When we get out of the word and we get out of love and we get out of faith and out of peace and we start enforcing some crazy weird rule, uh, it's, it's time to push back against that stuff, isn't it? That's not the spirit of Christ. It's antichrist is what it is. So not, 
see, so it is not the result. It is not. Everybody say not. This is what it's not. It is not the result of what anyone can possibly do. So no one can pride himself in it or take glory to himself. So what this does, understanding righteousness by by faith in Christ instead of righteousness by works in yourself, what it does, it eliminates pride. It eliminates pride in Christianity. Amen? You don't walk around, I'm better than them. If somebody walks in and has a sin problem, you have compassion on them. You understand where they're coming from. You remember what it was like to be in darkness and not understand. And the love of God is poured out. Amen? That does not mean that you create an atmosphere of anything goes, uh, any doctrine goes, any behavior goes. That's not, that's unscriptural. There's plenty of scripture that talks about our behavior and what our Christian life should look like. Amen? It has very little to do with Coca-Cola and silk stockings. Praise the Lord. And if you're a man, you shouldn't be talking about what the women are wearing under their skirt. Praise the Lord. Just saying, that's a problem as well. Now look at Luke. Um, Praise the Lord. 18 and 9. We'll look there. This is an illustration from the word of what we're preaching. The difference between righteousness by faith in Christ and righteousness by faith in myself and how well I'm doing with the law. All right? Now, we won't turn there, but, you know, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that uh, I think it's the third chapter he says that the the in uh, amplified the works of the law has nothing to do with righteousness. I thought about getting a banner made sometime when I go preach places and put that up. It doesn't seem to help me with invitations. Because what will happen is when you make a bold statement like that, even if it's a scripture that you're emphasizing, the yabbits seem to start multiplying. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, that breeds like rabbits? That means, you know, they just multiply. If you've got two rabbits, you're going to have six rabbits before you're done. You're going to have 25 rabbits because they multiply, right? Well, the yabbits in the Bible multiply too. So it's like, yeah, say, yes, saved by grace, but. No, you can't put a but on the end of that. Some people need to get their butt out of the way and just believe the Bible. Amen. I'm in a rare mood today, aren't I? It's this striped shirt. It's got me going. All right. Now, I love this. Uh, He also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves. See, this is the problem. And were confident that they were righteous, that they were upright and in right standing with God, and scorned and made nothing of all the rest of them. Of the men, put it back up there uh, uh, in the um, uh, King James. It, it, I love it. The word there it says, despite, "trusted in themselves 
and despised others. Isn't that the spirit of legalism? Isn't that the spirit of, of, of externalism? Amen. Despised. I am holier than you. I'm a better Christian. I'm a better citizen than you. See, that's, that's a spirit of pride and, and it causes you to despise others. And you know, you can even be committing the same sin that the one you despise does and you still despise them. I've been around that dude before. All right. Keep going. 10. Shandai. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee of the other a Republican. Oh, no, wait. Republican. The reason I like that is the Republican is justified and the other is not. All right. That's a joke. The Pharisee stood and prayed. I love that. He prayed with himself. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? He prayed with himself. God, you know who, you know who's telling the story, don't you? Jesus. Jesus is. There's a doctrine going around right now, and I won't get into it because I get too many friends that'll write me nasty letters. But there's a doctrine going around right now that Jesus was the ultimate rule keeper and that he, 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 uh, admired people who were rule keepers. Well, it doesn't sound too much like it here. He, the, the, you know, the only people that he really rebuked were Pharisees. He didn't, he didn't beat up on sinners. He didn't beat up on anybody else, but boy, he could, he could have a tongue about these Pharisees. And yet there's this doctrine going around that, like, that the Holy, you get saved and filled with the Spirit so you can keep the law better. That is an ungodly doctrine. I got friends that are teaching that nonsense. And then, you know, they're wearing all kinds of prayer shawls and yarmulkes and things, you know, to pray with. And, um, that's fine. If you, that turns you on, pray away. But, you know, you might as well, as far as God's concerned, wear a sombrero and a poncho. For all the good it does you, for God receiving your prayer. Because God looks on the heart, not on your headgear. Or a cowboy hat and, uh, I don't know. The Pharisee stood and prayed with himself. God, I thank you that I am not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers. That's all bad stuff, isn't it? But look, he throws in the same list, this poor guy, even as this Republican here. <laughs> this publican, he, he's basically saying, He's better than this guy just because of rank and position. Wow, what a list to be included on. Adultery and extortion. All right, keep going. I fast. See, anytime you hear people praying and they're telling God how great they are, they're singing how great I art instead of how great thou art. You've got a problem. I, we, Scarlett and I make a joke. Sometimes we'll sing the songs and we'll make them fit. I said, you know, we should put out an album called 
narcissistic praise. The narcissistic praise CD. How great I art. And, you know, I am great. I do miracles so great. There's no one else like me. You know, narcissistic praise. But you can get narcissistic prayer going to where you're extolling your virtues. And you're tell, reminding the Lord of what you've given up for him. What you've done without to serve him. And how mundane and boring your life has been since you accepted him and you're living this, you know, convent style life. Cut off from all fun and frolic because of myself being so magnanimous. Now, the minute you start sounding like that in prayer, you're no longer pleading your case. You are sounding like an idiot in the courts of heaven. Because God's going, oh, really? Let's look at that. Let's look at the motive of your heart when you said that or did that. Let's look at all these glorious, magnificent things you've done. Then we start singing to ourselves, I deserve the glory and the honor. There is no one else like me. I know I'm your favorite God because I'm, the you know. This is what this guy sounds like. I fast twice in the week. You know, I'm going to say something real bold here. I think this is the reason that some people don't like the message of grace. Because it leaves no room for self-bragging. The message of grace strips us of the privilege to brag on ourselves. Because you say, oh, well, that grace message is so puffed up. It's so full of pride. No, it's not. Not the real message from the Bible. I don't know what you're listening to. But from the Bible, grace says, it's not me. It's it's all of God. It's all of Christ, not me. None of myself, all of Jesus. Oh, well, you've done such magnificent things in ministry, Dr. David. You've done blah, blah, blah. And and the right spirit is, well, give him the praise and the glory. Because I think I got in the way in, in my years of ministry. I think I've gotten in the way of his plan more then I've helped it. And uh, that's not to, you know, to, to, that's not to elicit some kind of self-whatever. But I'm just saying that that uh, I don't want to take credit because I also don't want to take blame. I don't want to take blame for what didn't happen because I got in the flesh in some things. You do know I have flesh, you know, it's, Like, if you run over my foot with your car, it will hurt, just so you know. I'm not just, you know, an apparition. We blow our nose and snot comes out, okay? I mean, we're like other people, preachers. We're not like the gods on Mount Olympus living, you know, on what, right? So I don't want to take the blame for when my flesh got in the way. Right? Or when I got mad. I fast, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. My Lord, that's, be- that's a better tithing program than we got. We, we ask people to tithe off of their income. He's tithing off of all of that he owns. That's like a French tax. 
where they tax you on everything you own every year. Let's keep reading. And this Republican with his red hat on, MAGA, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast. This is, this is so amazing. Smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now look what Jesus, Jesus is talking. Look what he said about these two, these two. Go to 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. That means the other one went down to his house not justified, not okay with God, not in right standing. How about that? For Everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Now, why did, let's take these two prayers here in the temple that Jesus is observing. Same temple, same service, same moment, same congregation, once a Pharisee, which let me tell you what that means. That means a professional law keeper. They not only keep the law, uh, Moses' law, they not only keep the Mosaic law, but then they also enforce it on other people. And if they don't enforce it, then their position is questioned. They might have to give up a sash or two. So funny, you know, a friend of mine was in an airport and there was this preacher there, you know, obviously a minister, the way they were dressed and all this backwards collar and get up and everything, you know, big giant Bibles. And next to him was a person that was their assistant and they had a sash on that said armor bearer. Praise the Lord. So you might get one of your sashes removed or a star taking off of it. So let me, let's illustrate this quick and we'll be done. So here you've got this, this publican. Here you've got this Pharisee and this Pharisee is saying, Oh, I'm so fantastic. Don't you, aren't, aren't, he's almost wanting God to praise him. God, I need you to praise me because I'm such a fantastic follower of you. Praise the Lord. And then you got this other guy that is literally, I can see him almost hiding behind a column in the darkness. He won't even look up towards the ceiling of the temple, but is beating on his breast. Like, not, this isn't Hinduism where they're, he's beating himself to pay for anything. He's just, in other words, his hand is just on his chest like this. And in humility, he, he bows his head and he says, God, see, cause the Pharisee has said, I've got all this cool stuff to bring you. 
Look at me. Aren't I shiny? And this guy is going, God, I'm hiding behind this column here. And I'm not even looking up to the ceiling. Because I need all of you and I have nothing to bring to give you from me. Isn't that beautiful? And if we could, if we could live like that, where God's concerned, we're not talking about doing great. We're not talking about being a Christian and Christian disciplines and all those things. Those things are all beautiful if they're done in faith and they're done in the right spirit. Amen. Then all of our effort and our giving and everything means something. But if we're doing it to impress God, we're crazy. Because we can't, we're not gonna, we're not gonna impress God with our holiness and our goodness. We can only be impressed by His holiness and His goodness. <laughs> That's why faith will work because of grace. That will keep you from getting, like even with confession, into dead works with it. Where I'm showing the Lord how much I can say, by His stripes I was healed, by His stripes I was healed, blah, 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 blah. You know, and it's like, you're not, you're not even retaining what you're saying. It's because of his grace that by his stripes we're healed. And I'm confessing it not to get it to happen, but I'm just reporting the truth of what did happen at Calvary. That's where confession has teeth in it. He was made poor for my sake that I might be rich. Even my prosperity is all of him. Not because I'm such a genius with money. Do you understand? We've seen geniuses with money on Wall Street lose everything they had built in a heartbeat. Bam, the market crashed. Right? And, and their $14 million or whatever got wiped out. There goes the company. And then a hostile takeover takes place and they're out you understand you can be a genius with with money even and still lose it all but in christ there is never a loss (laughs) you understand what i'm talking about bible prosperity we're we're made rich because of what of real prosperity which is not a is not doesn't the the prosperity report from heaven doesn't check The Wall Street Journal. To see what's happening. By him being made poor. There's there's nobody more poor on the earth than a guy on death row. Who's getting executed. Because the only thing you got left at that point is your breath. And that's being stolen. Not stolen, but taken away by the system. You understand? He gave even his breath. People that say, well, I don't know if the Lord will save me. I don't know if he'll heal me. I don't know if he'll bless me. It's like, well, what more would he have to do to prove it to you? Should they cut his head off? What would have made it better for you? He did it all. He paid it all. And the, and the, and the, and the, the moment that we realize that is a real revelation, not, well, this is just Joseph Prince and he's off of his rocker. You know, listen, if that's your response to grace is some preacher from Singapore you don't like, then you have no revelation of the, of, 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 of 
the cross. So fine, don't like Joseph Prince. Burn his books, all of them. Or somebody else you don't like. You like Andrew Womack, but you don't like Rosa Prince. And they're saying the same thing. Just one's got an Asian accent, and that's probably the real deal. Ooh, let's talk about that. But the truth of the matter is that Scarlett helps me because she says, I don't think there's things I'm going to put on Facebook. She goes, I don't think you want to say that. I said, okay. Don't forget you're a preacher. Okay. But boy, do I want to say it. So no preacher on planet Earth that you like that's mentioned the word grace. Fine. Find it in the word for yourself. There it is. There's the story. Jesus is illustrating it. He's telling us the difference. Amen? And and so if you don't have a revelation of the finished work, you're going to be spending your life trying to finish what Jesus failed to finish. He drank from the bitter cup, and he left us not one drop to taste. Praise God. So that every day we say, I'm rejoicing in Christ. And I refuse to rejoice in me. Because even my motives can can be suspect to me. I even sometimes question my motives. I know the Lord is. Why should, do you see what I'm saying? How can I have faith? And confidence in anything I confess if it's based on me. It's not based on me. Testimony hour or Wednesday nights in some places when I was growing up. Thank God this has kind of died off. But it used to consist of how good we're keeping the rule report. It sounded like Alcoholics Anonymous only at church, you know. Well, I haven't worn pants since I got saved. Does any, am, am I like preaching and speaking Swahili? Does anybody know what I'm saying? Sister Jeannie knows. I haven't worn, I haven't cut my hair since 1902. I haven't worn lipstick since I wiped it off on that Sunday night. You know, I got convicted. I haven't done, you know, whatever it is you haven't done that you're holding up as a piece of your dung pile, according to Paul, to stand upon, to say I'm righteous. He said, I concerning if any man has cause to boast in the flesh, I more. And he said, all the things, right? How many remember that from Philippians? All the things that he said, I have to boast. And he said, I count it all as dung. And so if we're not careful, we're comparing dung piles. Look, mine's taller than yours. So Wednesday night becomes, instead of a time of glorifying God, it becomes a time of glorifying ourselves. Well, I haven't done this since, and then the year was quoted, you know. Well, it doesn't matter. It's just like, it's, it's, this is sin consciousness. It's sometimes said to rub it in the face of somebody sitting next to you yeah. that hasn't quite 
memorized that rule yet? Do you understand? I tell you, we were laughing the other day at what I say, but I really mean it. People say, uh, we want to come to church here. Looks like a nice place. What's your rule? So I said, we don't have any. We have a few. Like, no food or drink in the sanctuary. Uh, clothing is not op- optional. You, you need to be clothed. Praise the Lord. We, we, we really don't want to deal with naked nudity. And, or on the property. And, uh, you know, you, when it's time to listen to the sermon, we're not going to let you just talk out loud and take over the meeting. Things like that. You know, we, I mean, we do have a few rules, but more just for behavior during the service. You understand? But we're not going to just tell you, no, this, this is what, there's even churches now that are saying, we only eat the Old Testament menu. And if you eat a shrimp, you're going to hell. Well, I say, good. It leaves more shrimp for the rest of us. Sinner, shrimp eater, crustacean freaks. Well, the anti-pork people. Fine. Do your thing. Nobody's trying to control that either. Or force a force of... Sometimes it'll reverse and they'll force a freedom on you. Try to force a freedom. It's something you don't feel comfortable with. They're going to force you to do that. Either way, it's wrong. It's control. It's manipulation. It's of the devil. Stop it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's preach the gospel. Let's stand on the word. Let's give all the praise and all the glory and all the honor to Christ. Because he's the only one worthy. Woo! So when we sing victory in Jesus, we really mean it. There is no victory. You can't sing, listen, for you dual covenant people out there, you cannot sing victory in Abraham, victory in Moses. You understand? Victory in Adam. Victory only comes in Jesus. Amen. There's not two covenants. There's not one for the Jews and one for the Christians. And, uh, you know, if I get like, I don't know, I don't know what other blacklist I could get on that I'm not already on. Let's just get on that one while we're at it. You know, I don't get invited to nothing anyway, so who cares? But, uh, this dual covenant thing of, the Jews don't need Jesus and they, they can get in through Abraham. That, that's, well, Jesus didn't get the memo. And he said, no man comes to the Father but by me. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He says, he said in Mark 16, uh, he that is baptized, um, uh, and believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not stand. I don't know what damn means to you, but I don't think it's good. So if I get persecuted for preaching the truth, then persecute on. Praise God. Put me on one of those dumpster things where you throw the ball and you you fall in the water. But you can't just exempt a whole group of people made made you know by by some natural means. Well, the Jews are exempt because of this. Well, what if you're half Jewish? 
What if you're not quite half? What if you're 40%? Does the majority rule? Which, how do you see? You start asking just logical questions about stuff like that and it falls apart instantly. And yet there's home groups of people that follow this and put millions of dollars into it, into a false doctrine. It's crazy to me. And yet, and yet we get rocks thrown at us for preaching grace. You can preach that heresy, but you preach grace and you, you know, you're the devil somehow, you know. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you, we don't, we, we've watched it in, in meetings before. We, uh, the one great grace preacher right now on TV, if you want a, a good balanced one is Creflo Dollar. I'm telling you, he preaches grace and righteousness and it's, and it's, and it's balanced and it's scriptural. And we've been in meetings where he preached and half the preachers got mad, folded their arms and put their lip out. So you better tuck that in. Somebody's going to knock it off. Like Forrest Gump, you know. Remember that the sergeant asked that guy with the big lip. He said, are you deformed or what? He said, no, I was born this way. So you better tuck that in. The Viet Cong is going to shoot that thing off. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. You know, we just need to, to listen to the word and, uh, and, and be people of the word no matter what it costs us. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm at a new level where I just want to be as bold as a lion about it because it's so right. Well, you're just preaching grace. Anything goes. No, that's a song by Cole Porter. No, the Bible doesn't preach anything goes. Grace will help you to live a holy life. You can't, you can't live a holy life without grace because you'll be sin conscious and condemned all the time and you'll be under the law and the law is the growing medium for sin, the Bible says. Isn't that something? So praise God. Isn't it wonderful just to put, why don't you just put it all in Christ? Amen. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. You know, sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Not by my works, not by my dung pile, but by what he did. Can you say amen? Well, praise God. That's enough preaching. Why don't we close with